Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. I'm your host, Ryan Stacy, and today we're getting into one of my all-time favorite horror movies. We're talking about 2012's The Cabin in the Woods. We should split up. Yeah, good idea. Really? Uh, I'm joined by our Cabin in the Woods correspondent, kinda. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it when Cabin Fever with him, and now we're talking about Cabin in the Woods with him. Everybody, uh, welcome. Let's give a nice welcome to Josh Wessler. Josh, how you doing? Woo! I'm doing good. Doing good. Really, really was glad to revisit this movie. It's been a couple of years since I've seen it, so uh, it was good to revisit it. It's been a good day. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, for you know, I was joking about, oh, Josh, we finally get to watch a good movie on the podcast. <laughs> It's about time. <laughs> uh, yeah, Cabin in the Woods is one of my favorite horror movies. It is a rare, I think, perfect film. I think it's flawless. Uh, it's a masterpiece. Uh, I, I can't give this movie enough praise. I effing love this movie. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't say flawless, um, it's, but it's near, like, it's near flawless and nothing that I can fault it for, really. It is my all-time favorite horror movie. Uh, that's why I reserved it. I think this was maybe, I think this was the first movie I reserved because it is my favorite one all time. Uh, now, is it the best horror movie of all time? Maybe not, but this movie is the first horror movie that, when I watched it, just kind of clicked that... Oh, not all horror movies need to be trash. It's so, true. I I have an extra appreciation for this movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think of where it would go. Definitely top five, maybe top four even. I think that'd probably be the highest. It's probably four. I don't know. Mm. It, it, it might, I'd have to really think about it. Because I think Scream is my favorite horror movie of all time. Then probably Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Then I'm not sure, but it could be Cabin in the Woods. I guess it depends on the day. I'd have to really think about it. Yeah, and Scream's my favorite like horror series. Uh, sure. But I think that Cabin in the Woods just edges it out sure uh, and they're very similar in terms of tone yeah. and type of movie but yeah uh, if you've not seen cabin in the woods <laughs> spoiler alerts are coming up so stop what you're doing and go watch this movie even non-horror fans love this movie yeah uh, i i don't know anybody who doesn't love this movie mm. who's seen it so seriously if you've not seen it what are you doing go watch it Seriously, it's it's negative fifty out today. Even though it won't be on the day you're listening to it, but on the day we're recording, it's negative fifty outside. And Ryan's not lying; it actually is. You got nothing better to do. You're quarantined. Go watch Cabin in the Woods because <laughs> uh, this movie kicks a ton of ass. All of the asses. <laughs> so the point of this podcast is we are trying to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies, and we're doing that by going through the plot of this movie beat by beat, decision by decision, to see if we need to add any new rules to our list of rules on how to survive a horror movie. We have 53 of them right now. You can check that out at our Twitter account, at HowToHorror. That's how the number two horror. That's where our complete list of rules is. Uh, so we'll see if Cabin in the Woods has got anything new for us. So spoiler alert, once again, go watch this movie before listening to us. We both highly recommend it. Josh, anything else before we jump into this thing? No, I'm good. All right, let's get into the plot of The Cabin in the Woods. So the movie begins in what looks kind of like an office building, maybe like a government facility kind of looking place. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have two really white-collar looking guys. We have Sitterson and Hadley. Sitterson is played by Richard Jenkins, who uh, I know personally from Step Brothers. Yeah. Uh, he's the uh, John C. Riley's dad in Step Brothers. Or, is that right? Yeah, John C. Riley's dad in Step Brothers. Yep. And he's also in The Shape of Water, and he's great in that. 
And then we have Steve Hadley, or just Hadley, who's played by Bradley Whitford, uh, Whitford who I know from, uh, he's on, he was on West Wing, and then he was also in the movie Get Out. And he's great in both those. These two are awesome. Oh, yeah. They, they have a fantastic dynamic. And after you watch this movie and come back and watch it a second time, it makes it even better. Yeah. This is one that, that definitely rewards rewatching, mm-hmm. for sure. The two of them are just getting coffee and, you know, talking about their lives. And it's just like, oh, what the heck? If you, if you hadn't seen this movie before, it's just like the most what the hell's opening sequence to the film. Yeah, and it's like, it's so casual. It's almost like uh, like office spacey. Yeah, yeah. Very very kind of like office space. Just general, general office talk. And we also meet a woman, uh, Lynn, who is part of the chem department. Whatever that means. Uh, and she's telling them, like, hey, every other country has failed at whatever mission this is, all except for Japan and us, the United States. It's up to us. And they're like, yeah, that's usually how it goes. <laughs> and Japan's number one. They've never failed, and we try harder because we're number two. So we'll be fine. Okay, but at what? And so we'll just go ahead and spoil the movie right now just so we can kind of explain what's going on. So every year, every country around the world, it seems, takes part in a ritual sacrifice to appease the old gods who live below the surface. Uh, and if they don't, if, if all of the rituals fail, the old gods will rise and destroy the world. Okay, some serious stakes. And by doing that, the, the, this, the sacrifice is basically each country kind of makes a horror movie, but it's a real one. Like, they're literally sacrificing people in, in a plot of a horror movie. And for America, it's like a classic, you send a bunch of stupid teenagers to a cabin in the woods and they get killed off by something. That's the American ritual. I, I respect it. Oh, yeah. I, I also respect that it's different for every country. because yeah, horror is different in every country, you know. Um, we haven't done a ton of international movies on here, but, like, just take uh, Spain. We, we did the Rex series. That was very different. Mm-hmm. You know, Japan's got their whole subgenre, uh, a J-horror, uh, which uh, I, I haven't seen a ton of, but a lot of people love those movies. Uh, yeah, every country's got their own horror, so every country's got their own ritual. Uh, but everyone else has failed. It's down to the United States and Japan. So they can't screw this up, all right? So I need to talk about this, and... and, and Josh, I think you and I are the perfect people to talk about this. Josh, you work in a kind of a white-collar office setting, which is kind of what this this is. Sure. Uh, there's a little bit more militaristic thing going on here. I am ex-security. I, I worked security for a few years. I, I used to be a security supervisor for a shopping mall. I worked security at Warner Brothers. I know a thing or two about keeping a, a, build, a, a building or facility secure and not having just dumbass stuff happening. This place doesn't. <laughs> No, not really. <laughs> the, the, this place has terrible security procedures and really flawed building design. Especially for something with this high of stakes. Yeah, like, is if, if it's lack of budget, give them more money. What, what, what is This is what our military budget should be going towards. <laughs> 90% of it should be going towards making sure the world doesn't end. If we screw up, the world can end. Okay, so let's, let's not screw up. <laughs> It's just baffling to me about some of these poor designs and some poor protocols and security procedures. I mean, not a, not only the protocols, but also just the uh, the lackadaisical nature too yep. of it. And and I get it. Like they've done this like year after year after year, so it makes sense that it might get a little mundane. But at the same time, does the Super Bowl get mundane? Not really. It only happens once a year. But you still get hype for it, yeah. and you make snacks for it, and everyone gets together and watches the game and has a good time. Yeah. These guys just casually are talking about like, ah, oh, yeah, let's let let's go, like we got this, yada yada. And that's that's a great like confidence thing to have, but you need to back that up, <laughs> and they do not. So Will has some things to say about how they run this operation because it is not up to my standards. 
No. As a former mall cop, this is not up to my standards. Okay, so that is our one plot. The other plot is our classic teenagers going camping plot. Uh, we meet a bunch of our characters. We have uh, Dane, and, and to be fair, all these characters are pretty just normal, te- uh, normal college students, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, generally when we watch movies like this, we kind of put them in like, oh, this is the stoner character, or this is the jock. And they aren't that at first. But they become that later on, and that's, like, the whole point of the movie. Mm-hmm. So we have Dana, who is going to be our virgin character, but she's not a virgin. She just broke off a, a risque affair with her college professor. Yeah. So not a virgin. We have Jules, who is our dumb blonde whore, but she's not. She's in a committed relationship and seems pretty intelligent. But and she just dyed her hair. She just blonde. dyed her hair blonde. And that's kind of part of it. Is the the organization has put chemicals in her hair dye to make her dumber. Yeah. For the for this uh, sacrifice. Yeah, and that's not really revealed until later, but, like, apparently this organization has kind of been influencing their lives a little bit leading up to this this weekend at the cabin. Lowering their, like, uh, decision-making capabilities just to make them do stupid bullshit. So it's hard to blame most of them for any of this Mm because they were drugged, basically. Yeah. We have Kurt, who is played by Chris Hemsworth. And this is kind of fun because this was made before Thor, so before he was anybody, but it came out after Thor, so they definitely heavily marketed that he was in the movie. Mm-hmm. Kurt is our jock, but he's also a sociology major on full academic scholarship and knows a ton about his subject. He's he's extremely intelligent. Yeah, he even corrects uh, uh, Dana about like a better book to read than the one that she's going to bring yep. with. An economics book. An <laughs> economics book. Russian economics, yeah. even. And then there's Holden, who is Kurt's buddy on the football team who is going to end up being our nerd. But he is a really good football player. Yeah, it, it's almost like him and uh, Kurt were kind of like flipped. Yeah. Where he's the one that was like really a little bit a little bit more jockey and like they're just like kind of like playing football and stuff like that and just completely flipped midway through the movie. But they're going to get drugged and start acting more like their stereotypes. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're horror movie tropes. And it, that's pretty funny. I love that. Yeah. So we're introduced to all of them, and they're getting, they're getting in an RV and getting ready to go. And finally, our fifth guy shows up, the best character in the movie, Marty. And he's, like, and he's basically the only one who uh, embraced his stereotype from he already. He's the stoniest stoner that has ever stoned. Like, wow. Josh and I have seen the movie uh, Evil Bong. Marty would fit right in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he basically is rolling up, basically hotboxing himself yep. in a car. Oh, yeah. And everybody's like, what are you doing, you dumbass? <laughs> And he's got this this awesome. It's it's a bong, but he can break it down in it looking just like a, a coffee pot. Yeah, oh, uh, coffee mug, coffee mug, like a travel mug. Yeah, Marty's the best. He's hilarious, and he's the only one who figures out what's going on. He's also the only one who's not really affected by yes. the chemicals because it turns out the weed he is smoking was not found by the organization's security team, so they didn't get to dose it with any of these chemicals. So it was actually making him immune to all the organization's attempts to make him do dumb stuff. Granted, he's still going to do dumb stuff on yeah. his own, but he's not. So he doesn't really have an excuse. So when he does, he does great things, but he does dumb things, and so he's the only one we can really fairly criticize a lot mm-hmm. of the time, I think. And they're all driving off to Kurt's cousin's cabin, even though at the end of the movie we find out Kurt might not actually have a cousin, which doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you go to a cabin if you don't have a cousin? Yeah, not sure where that came from. I I, I don't know if he like was hooked up with this cabin by someone else in his family, and they just said that it was his cousin, or I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? It doesn't really matter. No. But if 
you just randomly get invited to a cabin, maybe don't go. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't know anything about this cabin. I mean, but if it is his cousin, that, see, it just doesn't work. There, there's, there's something missing there. But whatever. It's fine. But on the way there, Marty's like making joints. He's talking about how society needs to crumble. And I'm just like, yeah. All right, all right. This, this guy's gonna, on to something. This guy's going to go somewhere. <laughs> so, Sitterson and Hadley, they make it to the control room where they're going to run this entire operation. And we're introduced to their main security guy, Truman, who is not nearly well-armed enough. He has one pistol. If you were guarding the most important room in this base, you need to have more firepower. Uh, te- technically, he does have more firepower, which we'll find out later. Okay, he has a grenade. <laughs> but seriously, one handgun is all you have. And we're going to find out there is some horrific monstrosities being kept in this facility. You should have a weapon that can handle every single one of those things. Yeah. This is poor, 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 poor planning. So, just, just to start off, rule number three, do your damn job. Whoever designed all the protocols and all the security procedures for this building uh, did not do their damn job. This is piss poor. It's almost like the entire organization as a whole. Yeah. I mean, like, there might be some individuals inside of it who are, like, doing just a fine job. Yeah. But you're still not calling out all the other, like, stuff that you might be seeing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. If you see a problem at your place of work, see something, say something. (laughs) Yeah. We we talked about this before. Uh, uh, Building security is all of our jobs. It's everyone's job, and we've talked about this on the, on the podcast before. Do your damn job. <laughs> so Kurt stops for gas, and it's a, it's one of those creepy gas stations you see in every horror movie, run by a guy named Mordecai, who gives them... Of course, om- his name is Mordecai. <laughs> he gives them ominous backstory a little bit about the place they're going to, the Buckner place. A lot of people always looking to sell that place. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Just that, not enough information, but okay. Yep, you got enough gas to get you there, but getting back, that's your concern. But why? (laughs) Thanks, creepy guy. (laughs) But he's also just like a dickbag. He's calling uh, Jules a whore, and so they're just like, all right, screw you, we're leaving. Fair. So sometimes in horror movie situations, when you you meet this classic creepy guy who warns you, don't go to that place, it's got a death curse kind of thing, they're usually a little bit more specific. This guy I don't think was specific enough to take him seriously. He was just a dick. Yeah, it was more a combination of him being a dick and more just being ominous yeah. than anything. Overall, it, it it's more just that like weird thing that everyone just gets together after they leave. Just like, oh, that was weird. <laughs> he also had a Confederate flag hanging in his window. Real oh, subtly, didn't so even see that. Also racist. So I don't blame them for not listening to a word this guy says. Yeah. Screw this guy. Mm-hmm. He can fuck off. <laughs> so, okay. They're not in a horror movie yet. Yes. So they're, they're driving up to the Buckner place, and they pass through Mountain Tunnel, which, unfortunately, they don't see the giant force field surrounding this place. Where th- this tunnel's the only way in or out, really. It's an invisible force field. Yeah, and they don't see the hawk that flies into it and dies. Yeah. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> if only. Uh, if only they had seen the force field. Not their fault. No. Who would expect a force field to be around a cabin? <laughs> not me. I tend to not look for force fields whenever I go places. It's true, and, and maybe that, that's our mistake. But. Yeah. Uh, they get to the cabin, and as they're going inside, Holden finds a creepy-ass picture in his room. So he takes it down, and behind it, there is, like, an interrogation glass where one side is a mirror, one side you can see through. And he can see straight into Dana's room. Why is this here? <laughs> and this is never really explained further. You no, know, it's just a way for them to escape later. Yeah. But why is this here? Yeah. And so he sees Dana starting to undress. He's like, uh, hey, Dana, don't. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, look at this. This is fucking weird, right? He kind of had an internal struggle there for a second. Yeah. So good on him yep. to not. 
so they he offers to switch rooms, and then he starts to get interested like immediately after walking. We know what you're doing, Holden. Yeah. Just just give her the opportunity. You knew that this was still uncovered. Yeah, so he starts taking off his shirt, and he dude's just ripped. And Dana's like football, oh, college football player. Yeah. So Dana's got the more of internal struggle. Where she's watching him undress, and then she's like, hey, "I'm gonna put the painting back." Good on everybody. <laughs> These are likable people. Strange to have. Yes, yeah, so a whole cast of likable people. Uh, we were used to uh, just being a part of Cabin Fever. Yeah, you so. remember Cabin Fever? This is just a complete opposite. What if Cabin Fever was a Cabin in the Woods movie, too, and we just don't know? That was just a prequel? Yeah, yeah. That was one that succeeded. Even though, actually, I don't know what it failed, too, maybe. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Because they died in the wrong order. Oh, yeah. Because the virgin yeah. character died first Yeah. in, in oh. Cabin Fever. Interesting, interesting. So it failed. You know, luckily, yeah. Japan succeeded that year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, d- they did say that the U.S. did not have a 100% success yep. rate. Yep. So sometimes, yeah. uh, the virgin dies it was, first. It was, chem, it was chem's, uh, the chem department's yep. fault. Yeah, the chem department. <laughs> oh, my God, that makes so much sense. Cabin Fever, the chem... Hazard. Oh, oh, my God, this movie's referencing Cabin Fever. And there's even a trailer for Cabin <laughs> Fever before the movie. <laughs> oh, my God. You heard it here first. <laughs> That's hilarious. So at this point in the control room, uh, Mordecai calls in to talk to him, like just let him know, like, hey, hey, you know, they've gone to the killing floor. They have no idea. <laughs> and just going on ominously about what's about to happen, and like Hadley and Sitterson are just like trying not to laugh as this guy just rambles nonsense. See, they could have taken this movie and just been so serious about it, and like had them be just like buddy buddy with this guy and be like, yeah, they deserve it all, and just 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 feed into it but no they're they're it's just a big joke it feels pretty real which yeah. i appreciate these feel like real characters yeah uh and so later the hq guys all the employees come to the control room and they're all gonna bet on which character uh, which which monster gets released to kill all of our our, our teenagers because they have like a bunch like hundreds of different creatures down in their zoo and basically whatever the kids release is going to come kill them and so they're all taking bets on it and so this cut movie can kind of explain most horror movies because there's just tons of movies that just take place in a cabin in the woods and random monster comes and attacks them cabin fever was an illness but evil dead tons of you know the friday the 13th movies yeah what is going to come kill them so this movie could potentially be a sequel to every other movie that takes place in the cabin Mm -hmm. in the woods it would explain it which i love yeah uh, and, and they very specifically aren't saying that it's monsters or like explaining what the betting is for. They're just saying take your bets. Yep. Yeah, they don't tell us yet. We're 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 spoiling ahead a little bit yeah. just to try and make sense of this. And basically, the control room's like, yeah, we kind of rigged the game, but not completely. Like they have to make the decision to go down in the basement to release whatever's going to come after them. We rigged the game to try and get them there, but if they don't do it, if they don't pick anything, and they don't go to the cabin, well. It's their choice, it's ultimately. Their, uh, ultimately their choice, but, you know, they're rigging the game. Yeah, because basically once they get there, it should be over. Yeah. Like, at that point, it's kind of rigged. Yeah, because they're pumping con- chemicals in to make them make yeah. dumb decisions. They're not actually making those decisions on their own free will. Yes, but technically, they have to make the choice. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they can't be killed, and, and the ritual won't, won't work. Okay, so the kids are partying, and by this time, all of their, like... Chemicals have kicked in. Jules is acting real slutty. Kurt's being a jockey douche, bro, wearing a Letterman's jacket. Don't know where you got that. <laughs> uh, Holden's wearing glasses, and Dana's acting all, like, demure and shy and doesn't want to flirt, but she kind of likes Holden. Mm-hmm. And Marty's just... Still high. <laughs> Marty's smarty. I think this might be the fourth time I've seen this movie, and I, I believe this was the first time that I really started to, like, 
notice how much they were transitioning into just like their own stereotypes. And I don't think I ever like noticed the switch to having uh, Holden have glasses mm-hmm. before until this one. Uh, and he's wearing like a button-up shirt now yeah. for some reason. Like, what? what? When did this happen? It's great. <laughs> they get Jules gets stared to make out with a wolf head, which is the weirdest scene of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, this is getting weird. So Dane is going to get dared next, and basically it's like, oh, you're going to chicken out or whatever the dare is. And before she can be dared, uh, the, the basement door blows open. And this straight up happens in the Evil Dead. Like shot for shot, basement, a wooden door gets blasted open by something. And they blame it on the wind. Like basically verbatim happens. This is a copy of Evil Dead. And Evil Dead is kind of the same movie. They go in the basement. They find a book. They read a thing. It releases evil spirits to come kill them. And a angry molesting tree. That, that is the plot of Evil Dead. Nice. This is the same goddamn movie, basically. So the, this door blows open. And Kurt goes, oh, it must have been the wind. And Marty's like, that makes what kind of sense? <laughs> Thank you, Marty. Thank you, Marty. There's no way in any universe this is blown open by the wind. No. Infinite timelines. If we're talking even multiverse, there's zero of them where the no. wind blew this up. I don't care about any kind of just stupid straight line winds. Just like 60 miles an hour or anything like that somehow like gets underneath the house and blows it open. No, no, not even Didn't that. Didn't happen. Even if that would happen, the, uh, this, this door would be way too heavy to have that happen. The only way... A tornado would have to rip it off. <laughs> we didn't have a tornado in this no. movie. So Marty, he's just like, that was weird. What the hell is that? Marty, it's because you're in a horror movie. Yeah. If we were in a situation where none of these guys were drugged, besides Marty, uh, if they were all just, like, normal... Rule number one, you're in a horror movie. You have creepy guy down at the gas station, which is already kind of weird, but not a big deal. Now the basement door is magically opening by itself. There's no other logical explanation for this. This trope has been done a million times in a million horror movies. You are in a horror movie. And even if you don't want to like 100% say that you're in a horror movie, don't go downstairs. Nope. You just put something over that and you enjoy your weekend. Yep. Or leave, whatever you want to do. Or leave. Maybe leave. <laughs> Maybe leave. But honestly, they could have stayed and had a great time until the gods rise and kill them all. Uh, True. Yeah, they, they don't know that part. They, all they had to do was not go in the basement. Yep. Rule number 32, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. There's nothing good down there. Mm-mm. They're going to go in. Danny gets scared to go down there. Um, but they eventually all end up down there. And there's just a bunch of random junk. And all of which will activate a different monster. So I'll just mess around with stuff. And, and Marty, the whole time, he's like, guys, we should go upstairs. This is a bad idea. But even he eventually starts messing around with stuff. So Marty can't get off scot-free. Yeah, and there's all these like little like knickknacks, basically, of things that you might have seen in other horror movies, like a, like a music box or... The, a puzzle sphere, which yeah. is... That's, uh, in Hellraiser, it's a puzzle cube. Mm. It's a sphere here. Nice. <laughs> yep. uh, uh, like an amulet that you'd uh, put around your neck. A film reel you play and raise something. Or a, a conch shell you could blow and call it a mermaid. <laughs> I would have loved to see that. That would have been awesome. <laughs> but eventually Dana finds uh, a book, a diary by someone named Patience Buckner. And it's basically just a bunch of horrific shit about a killer family torturing and killing and cannibalism, yada, yada. You know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The usual. <laughs> And basically at the end, it's like, and, you know, I hope someone finds this book and reads this passage to bring our family back and bring our spirits back. And then it goes into Latin. And Marty's like, don't read the Latin. (laughs) This should be so obvious. Play stupid games. You win stupid prizes. You find a creepy book in the basement that has Latin passages. You don't read them out loud. Not only that, it literally tells you, read this to bring us back from the dead. Yeah. And then we hear whispers because Marty's like, don't read it. And then there's like a whisper in the wind. Read. 
Murray's like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> nobody else knows. <laughs> read it. Read the Latin. Read it out loud. <laughs> so, Dana Dana, I have no idea where that came from, but yeah. <laughs> Love it. Dana reads it. And brings the Buckners back to life. Yeah. Which is really just them coming up the elevator shaft and popping out of the ground. That's what that really is. Yeah. But. God, I love it. Congrats, you dumbass. They made the choice. Yep, they made the choice. So, back in the control room, the Buckner family bets win. That was uh, maintenance. And Ronald, the intern, win the money. <laughs> they split it. <laughs> they split it. And Hadley's super pissed off because he really wants to see a merman. He's just like, he had the conch shell in his hands. So close. I wonder how many years he's been doing this, just waiting for a merman. <laughs> and then we get a, a little look at into uh, what Japan's up to. And all we know, um, there's a ghost in a classroom with a bunch of little Japanese schoolgirls, like nine-year-olds. Uh-huh. Whole classroom full of them being traumatized by a spooky ghost. Yeah. So uh, Japan, these little Japan girls are in a supernatural horror yep. movie. Yeah. Good luck to them. Good luck. I'm sure they'll be fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Japanese schoolgirls, you were in a horror movie. Yes. <laughs> Enjoy. So back in the cabin, Jules and uh, Kurt go off the bang, and Marty's like, something weird's going on. Anyone else notice something weird's going on? Nobody's acting like themselves. Nobody really listens. Poor Marty. Poor Marty. And Kurt and Jules are going to go off the bang, and Jules is like, eh, it's cold. Eh, I don't want to. Eh, kind of stuff. And so Hadley and Sitterson are just, like, turning uh, turning up the temperature in the area, uh, pumping in pheromones to make them hornier, and just, like, uh, making some mood lighting. Like, yeah. bang already! Shining, shining some light on, like, this maybe, like, nice grassy patch. Look how soft it is. You can go right there <laughs> just to get them to bang. And, and Truman's like, why does it matter? And they're like, well, other people are watching this kid. I think they're referencing the audience. Like, we're watching, and, you know, you watch a lot of horror movies to see boobs. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it was, like, one of those, like, hey, this is a typical trope of a horror movie, and, like, it's part of the process, and it, this just needs to happen. Or maybe it's, Before like part, they die. Yeah, maybe it's part of the ritual. Like, yeah. she has to take her top off for some reason. That's part of the I mean, ritual. So, yeah, because they mentioned that the uh, the quote-unquote whore has to die first. Yes, she um, has to die so first. So maybe this is just, like, a way to show, like, yep, it's her. <laughs> She's corrupt and loose morals because she took her top off. So she's got to die. It is what it is. That's the, uh, the American way, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But all like the other employees are still there like getting really pumped. And Hadley's like, all right, you sick fucks, get out of here. <laughs> all these just creepy white dudes, yeah. just old, just watching the screen. Just, yep, uh, we're done here. Very, very meta. <laughs> this is uh, Taking shots at everyone who watches horror movies. <laughs> And then finally, once Jules does take her top off with sheer boobs, then they send in the Buckners. You gotta wait for it. Gotta wait for it. So Jules ends up getting stabbed in the hand. Congrats, guys. You're in a horror movie. Yep. And we get a little bit of a fight scene as Kurt and Jules are trying to survive this, but it's four against two. And some of these Buckners are freaking huge. Mm. Like, even Thor can't fight them. Yeah, I think it's the it's probably like the dad or someone who knows. Yeah, I, I get all the Buckners mixed up. There, there's like a bunch of rando ones, and there's the big guy, and then there's Patience, the girl who's mm-hmm. missing an arm, and there's a couple of rando ones. Kurt is in the middle of the fight. He turns his back on one of the Buckners. Rule number two is constant vigilance, man. Yeah, I, I don't get the point of this, but sure. Uh, he gets stabbed in the back with a knife. What do you expect? That's what happens. They should be they should be running at this point. Yeah, they should be getting out of here. But like, uh, Jules has already been grabbed. Kurt doesn't want to leave her behind. Uh, he gets grabbed too. These two are pretty fucked. Yeah, they were outnumbered. They didn't really have a chance. And Jules gets her head cut off with a rusty saw. That would suck. Yep. 
I don't really have anything for Jules besides going in the basement. No, she she had zero chance. They were not currently in a horror movie when she got stabbed in the hand. And then at that point, you're just way thrown off. Yeah. Um, and then I think she got like a bear trap or something to the yeah. back. One of the, the main Buckner, he, his weapon of choice is a bear trap that he's throwing around and, and clawing people with. She gets one to the back. Kirk gets hit in the head with it. Uh, uh, Holden's going to get uh, attacked by it later. <laughs> It's the most ridiculous weapon ever. Yeah. But it's it's, it's effective. It's, it shouldn't be. Though. No, there's no. There's no way. Kurt's going to end up escaping. I don't know how. Yeah, um, they don't show that. But he, I, I, we'll give him credit because he followed rule number 28, run, bitch, run. Run, bitch, run! So Sitterson and Hadley, they offer up the first sacrifice because the horror's got to die first. Then it can be... The fool, the jock, and the the scholar in any order. Those three can die in any order. And then finally the virgin. Her death is optional. She does not have to die. Because, like, think about it. A lot of horror movies, the final girl lives. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. There's a couple of exceptions where they end up dying, too. doesn't matter. She just has to suffer. But it's got to go horror, the three guys, then she can die or not. But Mm -hmm. if one of those dies after the virgin, you can say, virgin dies and stoner lives. The ritual is a bust. So it's got to go in order. So Marty, he's reading a book because he's high as fuck. And then he starts hearing whispering, go for a walk. Go for a walk. He's like, what? Who's talking to me? Who's doing that? I'm not your little puppet. Puppeteers. <laughs> I'm going to go for a walk. Until he goes for a walk. Uh, he's his own man. <laughs> he's his own man. He makes his own choices. And he goes outside as Kirk comes back. And Patience Buckner is there. And Kirk just like, I don't even know. Like... Just the clotheslines are with his arm. That just happened so fast where it seems like he just like threw up his arms. It's like, oh, okay, that works. <laughs> just keeps running. And they get back inside. Kurt's just covered in blood. All right, guys, you were all in a horror movie. There are no more excuses. No. Uh, everyone is here, so... Good luck. Act accordingly. Dana is going to like, oh, we can't leave without jewels, and immediately opens the door. <laughs> no, don't open the door. I mean, yeah, Kurt said she's gone. Say she's dead. Yeah. They cut off her fucking head. <laughs> Don't go after That would work. <laughs> Rule number nine, be careful what you say and how you say yeah. it. Um, they open the door, and there's one of the Buckners just holding Jules' head, and he just tosses at her. Like, here you go. <laughs> Here's your proof. Love it. So they barricade all the doors and windows, and, and, and Kurt's like, no matter what happens, guys, we have to stick together if we're going to survive this. And back in the control room, Hadley and Citizen are like, God damn it. All right, pump up the gas. And they pump more gas, and then like Kurt's like, wait, guys, this, is, this isn't right. We need to split up. Yeah, that makes sense. And Marty's like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I love that Holden just agrees with them. Just, yeah, all right. <laughs> Rule 19, don't split up, gang. Let's split up and look for clues. Not really their fault. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of this stuff here while they're in the house. Yeah. yeah, it sucks. And they all get, they all split up and get locked in their rooms. Like, they all run into the various rooms and they just lock them in. Womp, womp. Yeah, they uh, forcibly lock them from the control room. Yep. Marty knocks over a lamp and finds a camera and realizes, oh, I'm on a reality TV show. <laughs> no, Marty, it's No, so you were right the first time. You were right the first time. <laughs> so he turns his back to the window. Constant vigilance. Yep. He gets grabbed by one of the Buckners, dragged outside. Uh, Marty tries to fight him with his bong. <laughs> Rule number five, lock and load. Yeah, he grabbed it right. Good on, good on him. He locked and loaded. He grabbed, uh, he grabbed it from his desk right at yeah, the last second. Nightstand as he's getting dragged out. Yeah, it's not effective. <laughs> no, but I think this also gives us a chance to knock everyone else as well for not locking and loading. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. even if you do make the wrong choice and split up because uh, it's not really your own free will, at least bring a weapon or something. I have with. something. 
so Marty tries to run away, but he gets throwing knifed in the back and then dragged off into a, a grave. Um, and it, 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 we're set up to believe Marty is dead because uh, it's off screen. But what actually happened is Marty somehow got the knife back and dismembered this Buckner family. Good for him. Yeah. Just cut him into bits like his head That's and the way to go. limbs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's still alive because he's like a zombie thing. But you cut him into bits. Good job. Yeah, it's not going to be a, a very effective zombie when it's just like an arm. Yeah. You know, he probably could go for a brain shot and that might kill him. I guess I, I don't know. It's hard to say with these things. Because mm. I think Dane is going to stab one of the crowbar in the head later and it's going to be fine. So maybe the brain shots don't even work. No, because it's still, it's still alive. And then she yeah. stabs a whole bunch of times in the stomach then too. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Or was it, didn't that one come back at the end though? I don't know. It, it they kind of look all all the same. So it's, it's, it's really hard to tell. It's hard to say. So I would hope Marty went for the brain shot too. You know, in rule six is double tap. But dismemberment works too. Yeah. If you don't have any arms or legs, it's hard to kill someone. I'd support that. Yeah. If you can't brain shot it, at least dismember it, so it can't mm. do anything. Hadley and Citizen they do the second sacrifice. But what they don't know is Marty's not dead. Rule number three: Do your damn jobs. You need to make sure he's dead. Yeah. You have cameras everywhere. You should be able to see that. The either either the Buckner person doesn't come back from the like inside the grave, or you can maybe even see him being dismembered. Rule number two: constant vigilance. Big big fuck up. Yeah, huge. Might be the biggest mistake of the movie, besides building a purge button. Wait, we'll, yeah. <laughs> besides that, which we'll get that, to. Uh, but that was before the movie. That yeah. was in place. <laughs> yeah, that was in place already. But this is still one of the biggest mistakes of the movie is uh, not confirming Marty's death. Yeah. So Dane is also attacked, uh, but holding gets her out of it by smashing their interrogation room window, <laughs> and they find another basement door, and they go down there, and it's like the 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 hillbilly torture room, mm-hmm. and they get attacked again, and uh, Holden gets bear clawed in the back. So Dana grabs a crowbar and just stabs the Buckner in the head with it. And then when it, the Buckner's still alive, she picks up a knife and stabs him a bunch of times with it. And again, I don't know if this kills this Buckner or not. It at least appears to because he was still, like, moving and trying to get her after being stabbed in the face. And that seemed to stop after she stabbed it, like, ten times in the chest. Rule number six, double tap. She does it. Yeah, good job. So she's got a knife in her hand. Hadley or Citizen, they press a button that, like, kind of zaps her and makes her drop it. Roll seven, don't leave your weapon behind. Womp womp. Firmly grasp it. Oh man. Again, not really her fault. These guys uh these guys are definitely prepared though. Yeah. They've been through this before. Oh yeah. They're just like, oh yep, casual, just zap. Yeah, zap, make them drop the weapon. That explains so much. Yep. <laughs> so Kirk gets them out and they all run into the RV, and none of them notice there's a bloody handprint on the side of the RV. So they're in this RV. Rule number thirty three, never assume you're safe. You gotta, you gotta make sure it's clear. You gotta clear it. There's a Buckner hiding in the back, and you have no idea. That and constant vigilance. Yep. So meanwhile, the Japanese schoolgirls have somehow figured out how to stop the spooky ghost and trap the spirit in that of a frog. So they turn the go- they trap the ghost in a frog, and they all survive the horror movie. Okay. I don't know how they did this, but a bunch of nine-year-olds beat a spooky ghost. Good for them. Good for them. Uh, early front runner for Randy Meeks Merit Badge. The <laughs> Japanese schoolgirls. Uh, so Japan's failed for the first time ever. They have failed the ritual. Zero fatalities. Zero fatalities. And, and you just have a citizen just just yelling at each of these just like little fuck girls. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> and so now it's all down to America. Oh, God. America. Fuck you. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we got this. Wait a second. No one blew up the tunnel to get out. Who didn't blow up? 
They're gonna escape and the thing will be over and we all die. Why is this not the first thing you do once they're through? That should be the first thing that you check on. Like, even if they are having, like, issues for whatever reason, just be like, all right, it's been about an hour since they came through here. They're not going to go back. Neat. Let's blow this thing up. And even if you want to wait until they go in the basement and summon the thing, blow it. Yeah, the second that, that uh, those creatures go up the elevator, that thing blows. It should, it should just be, like, simultaneous. But some reason, demolition did not get the order to blow it up. All right, there should be a timetable that you just blow it at yeah. that point. Like... Who fucked this up? Who? And now we're going to find out there was like an electrical glitch that made this trickier because they can't blow it because Marty has shorted out part of the system by accident because he's fucking with the control panel. All right, fine. You should have backup plan after backup plan after backup plan. There are multiple ways to short this and blow this up. Even if they send a guy up there and, 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 and fire it themselves. Mm-hmm. A, how did they not get the order? And B, where are the backup plans? Rule three, do your damn job. It. It is inexcusable. Inexcusable. I mean, because, yeah, Marty might have just messed with the electrical, like, panel, but it should have been blown up way before that. This is this is late at night at this point. Mm-hmm. So Citizens runs down, and he manages to blow it just in the nick of time, trapping uh, Kurt, Holden, and uh, Dana. So now they're like, all right, what do we do now? Kurt has the brilliant idea. I'm going to use my dirt bike and jump the gorge. This is incredible. <laughs> this is just some incredible bullshit. I would absolutely just approve of this move, though, because uh, apparently he has experience doing this, yeah. and he's done larger jumps than this before. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust Thor on dirt bike yeah, jumps, right. because he knows more than me. If and, if you, I'm, and if I'm one of the other two as well, let him do it. Do it. Take go the shot. man. We will wait in the RV, and we're going to be good to go. You get back up and come right back Rule here. Rule 22, take the shot. <laughs> Unfortunately for Kurt, there's a force field. He just crashes into it and dies. It's amazing. It's just this big hyped up moment that he's just just being shown as this hero that's gonna make the jump and just midair, oh slow motion, getting in there and smack. <laughs> it's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, it's like a bird hitting a window. It's so good. It's so good. All right, you guys are in a real shit situation now. Like, this is a horror movie, but there's something else happening here. This is a horror movie within a horror movie. Yeah, you can't really follow the normal rules at this point. Holden's only idea is to get back in the RV and drive and try and find another way out. Sure. I got nothing else. At this point, yeah, rule 17, never give up. The next thing you try might work. Unfortunately, they assumed they were safe. There's a Buckner in the backseat who stabs Holden in the neck and kills him. Yep. Oof. The RV crashes into the lake, and Dana manages to swim out the top hatch and get to the, the dock, where she's proceeded to be attacked by a big Buckner with his bear, claw, bear trap. <laughs> so, yeah, so if that's the bear trap one, then maybe that one is still alive. Unless there's multiple bear traps going around. Yeah, who knows. But according to the rules, the, the ritual, it's over. Yeah. It doesn't matter anymore. Dana can live or die. It doesn't matter. So they all stop paying attention, and like all the other employees come up, they're just drinking and having a party up in the control room. Yeah. Well, in the background, you can see shots of Dana fighting Buckner, but there's just just great just music going on, and there's this before everyone got there, it's just this nice like somber moment of like oh these poor kids, and then like someone comes in with like tequila, he's just like ah tequila, ah, lady tequila, <laughs> and they're just getting plastered, having a grand old time. Dana's fighting for her life, and no one cares. Yeah, it's great. HQ, the, the control room, does end up getting a call from the director, who we have not met yet. And the director's like, hey, you guys fucked up. One of them is still alive. And they're like, wait, wait, no, no, we did right. Nope, you fucked up. And they're like, who, who's still alive? Cut to the dock. Bad guy swinging his bear trap, about to kill Dana. 
Guess who steps into frame? Fucking Marty with his bong. <laughs> Save the day. Of course. And uh, he slows the guy down enough for Dana to grab a piece of wood and knock him into the water with it. And then drop the piece of wood. Rule seven. Don't leave your weapon behind. Yep. At this time, you're, all your focus should be on trying to manipulate as much as you can to try to just take him out now. Yep. Do whatever you need to do. So they run back to the cabin where Marty takes you to the grave. And down below, he's like, here's a control panel. Look, this is an elevator. They sent these up to get us. There's something down there. Let's go fucking find him. She's like, but why? And he's like, well, where else are we going to go? Fair enough. That is the right, right move. Next thing you try my work. Yep. Never give up. Uh, so they go down in the elevator, and it takes them through the zoo. Oh, and by the way, one of the, bu- the Buckner that he cut to bits, uh, all the body parts fell in with them as they were climbing into the elevator. Uh, which is important. Which is important. But they're going through the zoo of all these different monstrous creatures, and they kind of realize, oh, whatever we used in the basement would have come and got us. Got it. Some, some nice design in there. Some cool shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was really cool to see all this stuff. And so security team is ordered, hey, you guys got to kill Marty. That's all that matters. If you get the shot of Dan and take her out too, but Marty has to die first. They need to be way more prepared for this kind of shit. Like, there should always be just like, I, I mean, I think the, whatever, the, the other security guard in the main room basically was saying like code black or whatever. Like, if there's like a code black, everyone should be ready and you should have a protocol ready to go. Maybe even have someone there even when there's not uh, this moment that's happening. Maybe someone should just be ready standing by the door just, yeah, you know, just in case something happens. With every single type of weapon you need to defeat these things. Once again, this comes around once a year. Yep. How hard is it to be as prepared as possible? It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. This is pathetic. So one security guard opens the elevator to find Dana and Marty. Just one. One security guard. Real 12, wait for backup. Yep. This is dumbass. Opens this himself, and the zombie arm is still like writhing around and grabs him. So Marty and Dana attack him and knock him out and take his gun. Rule five: lock and load. Keep your distance. Yes, keep your distance. If he would have been, um, if he would have been more distance, he would have been able to. Because uh, the main thing that he's gonna struggle with here before getting killed is he can't kill Dana. He has to kill Marty. Yep. Here's another idea. Rule forty: keep your distance. But another idea: just shoot Dana in the knee. And then you, you can blow off Marty's head. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like That doesn't whole, actually kill her. It's it, the whole shoot the hostage thing in speed. It's the shoot the hostage strategy. Mm-hmm. It's a classic. Yeah, all he's got to do is shoot Dana in the knee, put her down, kill Marty, and then you can kill Dana. Mm-hmm. Done. Easy. Or you can let Dana live. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? Um, but you don't want her talking about no. this. Yeah, put her down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he gets uh, knocked out, and then the zombie arm proceeded to kill him off screen, apparently. Yeah, I guess. So Marty's got a gun. Dana's got a knife. The director's voice, who's played by Sigourney Weaver of Alien, uh, horror legend, uh, she's like, hey, uh, yeah, we have to kill you guys. You guys got to be killed. Otherwise, uh, it's going to get bad. So just let us do it. Fuck you. Yeah. That is not reason enough for me. So a whole SWAT team comes in, basically, and they hide in this like little control booth. And they find, because someone decided to put a purge button in there. And what the purge button does, it releases all the monsters from the elevators and into the facility. What Dumbass decided to build a purge button. This big red button. I mean, if you're going to have a purge button somewhere, just because maybe you need it for whatever reason, I don't know why. But if you need to have one, have it be something that is like 
password protected or like requires a key. Yeah, two keys. The two keys. You know, like the classic nuclear launch code sequence. You have yeah, two keys. so one person can't just go rogue and, and release everything. Or if you need a purge thing where you need to get rid of these monsters, how about it's something where you just blow up all the elevator boxes and burn everything inside alive? Who cares? The monsters. Why do you have to let them out in your facility? What possible good is that? I, I really don't understand it. This design. Why are there so many elevators to this place either? Rule <laughs> like, three. Do your damn job. Architectural flaw here. <laughs> yeah. This is horrifically bad. Now, on Dana and Marty's part, brilliant. Purge. Purge, baby. Let yeah. them all out. What, who cares if you get, you get shot by a blood, you get eaten by a monster, you're dead either way. You know, at least you're trying. Yep. Don't give up. You go out swinging. They purge. It's amazing. Uh, we're not going to go into details uh, about everything that happened in the sequence, but every employee dies a horrific, horrible death from the hands. Literally of every single employee. And it's drawn out for like five minutes. It's like awesome. Not to mention there's like shots with a bunch of security shots in the background, and there's even more shit happening in there that is in the background. It's in crazy incredible. This giant snake eating people. So for all these people, they need to get out. Rule 11. Get out! I don't know how this facility works, but I'm assuming there are procedures and protocols in place. You know, you would think. Firescapes type of things. <laughs> but at this point, I really don't know if they do. Josh, where you work, there's firescapes, right? Uh, sure, they're called yeah. doors. There's, there's, there's safety protocols to follow. Sure. I would hope, with the amount of monsters they have lived at this facility, that there are safety protocols. But I'm not seeing any. Well, you see, I could go out the front door, I could go out the other front door, I could go out the side door, the other side door, or the back door. There's even windows you could knock out. I, there are windows. Way. Granted, these guys are underground. But there's got to be ways out. There isn't just, like, one elevator area where they get out. And, yes, these monsters are insane. Like, there's dragon, like there's a dragon bat, and there's this giant snake that... These things can move incredibly fast, so you're probably not going to make it out. But I feel like you could have tried harder to actually leave. Lock and load, find a way out. That's all I have for all these people. Yeah. And they did a piss-poor job. Yeah. So Marty and Dana, throughout the sequence, they escape from a dragon bat. Marty manages to shoot like an alien beast in the head, um, and they escape. But as they leave the area, Patience Buckner comes down the elevator. She has continued to follow them. She's determined somehow <laughs> to get Marty. You know, At least she's doing her job. <laughs> Someone has to. So in the control room, a bunch of scarecrows finally break the door down, and they, they kill Truman. They're ripping him apart, so he blows himself up with a grenade. Fair enough. But this grenade knocks Hadley off his feet, which gives a mermaid time to come in and eat Hadley. Merman. Merman. A merman eats Hadley. Uh, Ripperoni pizza. Yeah, and this is kind of like this big reveal moment where he's like, oh, is that? Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Amazing. Because it's just this ugly thing, like, yep. not impressive at all. <laughs> uh, and, and Hadley's dead now, too. They have an escape hatch. Sitterson gets it open, but before Lynn can get down, she gets grabbed by a tentacle monster, which drags her away. And as Sitterson is climbing out to escape, he rounds the corner and runs straight into Dana's knife. <laughs> Good for Dana. Yeah, always, always ready. Yep. Um, Locked and loaded. Take the shot. Oh, no, you killed a random guy you've never met who is... Probably against responsible you. for killing all your friends. Good fucking riddance. <laughs> but as he's dying, he's like, "Hey, kill Marty, <laughs> kill him." Why? Why would I do that? Maybe try to give her more reasoning before dying. I know you don't really have much control over that, or maybe if you have a knife in you, if you can somehow muster up the the strength, try to pull the knife out and kill him. Sure, go for it. Uh, Dana does leave the knife behind, 
So Marty gives her the gun. Eh, not the best move. Hold on to the gun, Marty. Yeah, not a good move by either of them. Nope. Don't. Especially when this guy just said, kill Marty. Yeah. Like, oh, here's your gun. <laughs> uh, so finally, they get to this ancient ritual room where they kind of figure out, oh, it's like a sacrifice. Uh, five, you know, we, we get the whole explanation on what exactly is going on. Uh, the old gods will rise at sunrise. We got a couple of minutes left. And the director comes in, Sigourney Weaver, and explains all this. And she's like, okay, here's what's got to happen. Marty's got to die. I'll complete the ritual, Dana. You're fine. You don't have to do anything. But Marty's got to die. But if Marty doesn't die, the old gods will rise. And Marty, you die anyway, because we're all going to die. So you, you die or you die. Your call. You could save the human race or, or die. Honestly, the director should just come in with a gun and just shot him in the head. Yeah, she should uh, She should have her own weapon. Yeah. Lock and load. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I can think of, and I mean, this doesn't really matter, because at a certain point, the main reason for all this stuff was they have to make their own decisions to just be punished for this stuff. Where Where is the point where that flips? Sure. Where is it where it's not their own free will and it's instead just like them gaming the system? Now, they already sent security guards after them to tr- shoot and kill them, so there's that. But And later during their fight, the director is going to try and kill Marty. Yeah, so will this actually like be considered part of the ritual or will it actually not work? Who knows, but you got to try. Take the shot. Yeah. Marty is completely unfazed by this. He's like, wow, both of those sound so appealing. Guess what I don't want to do? And you know what? I'm with Marty because rule number 47, fuck destiny. <laughs> if I am told by this weird organization that I have to die or the old gods are going to rise and destroy the planet, guess what I don't buy instantly? What they just told me. You have to die or you're going to or you're gonna get killed is what they're telling me. Well, like, screw that. I'm going to take my chances and I will see the old gods maybe rise and maybe not. Fuck you. <laughs> Marty's absolutely right. Do not buy what she is selling. Yeah, this is very tough because they're basically saying you're screwed either way. Like you're you're dead, kid. And the the only thing that would maybe like switch your mind is you just saw all these monsters and like basically just mythical things just flying around killing everybody. So at a certain point, it's like mm, she might have something here. So at that point, it's up to, it's up to you whether or not you want to probably die by uh these ancient ones or die by who knows what but there's always the off chance like the ritual fails and they don't rise anyway true and then you died for nothing true i take that bet i'll take the bet what do i have to lose oh i know i took down all of humanity with me after what i witnessed in 2020 fucking good we deserve it (laughs) (laughs) no i'm i'm team marty here absolutely all the way dana on the other hand uh should absolutely shoot and kill marty yes she has zero to lose by killing marty (laughs) oh i have to live with the guilt oh well I'll be alive. The rest of my friends are dead too, so what's one more? Dana does pull a gun on Marty, and she's like, uh, do I do it or not? And Marty's just kind of like stalling her a little bit because there's a werewolf behind her. And he, he just waits for the werewolf to attack. Sometimes you just got to stall until the, the opportune moment. Uh, you know, rule 10, don't panic. He didn't panic. Yeah. Might I also add for Marty, uh, rule 30, don't be a good Samaritan. Yeah, rule 30, don't be a good Samaritan. That's a good point, too. <laughs> don't offer yourself up as a human sacrifice. That's a bad idea. So da- the werewolf uh, bites Dana and the director and Marty fight. Patience Buckner finally shows up. And, uh, d- you know, Dana warns <laughs> warns Marty. No, don't warn Marty. Marty's yeah. got to die. Don't be a good Samaritan. No one to cut ties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is rule number... Um, Rule 35, no one to cut ties. Eh. Josh, if you have to sacrifice me to save the planet. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Absolutely. The only bad news is you got to find someone else to pay the pay my half the rent. 
that's the fine. bad news. <laughs> uh, you know, if we got to sacrifice one to save everybody else, I'm on board. But if it's me, no, I'm going to not do that. I'll take you all down with me. <laughs> oh, God, I love the ethical dilemmas. Yeah, uh, ultimately, this is not how to how to save the world uh, this podcast. Is, this is yep. how to survive. Yep. So, and and maybe yep. you'll survive not getting sacrificed. If, if you get sacrificed, you're dead. If you don't get sacrificed, you might live. You'll probably die, but you, you know you, you don't actually know. So, Patience Buckner puts an axe in the director's head, and Marty proceeds to kick both of them over the side into the abyss, uh, where the old gods are, old gods are. So, Marty and, and Dana just sit down and, and smoke a joint, and like, well. Old gods. Who would have thought? Wish you could have seen them. That would have been cool. <laughs> and then the old gods rise, and Marty and Dana and the entire world get killed, and that is the end of Cabin of the Woods. We all get killed. Thanks, Marty. <laughs> Thanks, Dana. <laughs> we had no control over it. Oh, hilarious. What a great fucking movie. It's a fantastic movie. Um, So I didn't really get any new rules. Like, this is an homage to all the horror movies that have come before. It's doing stuff we've always done with a twist, but, you know, it, it's kind of... Yeah, and, and the twist and uh, just the original aspect of it in that way is what makes it such a special movie. The main thing here is rule number three, do your damn job. <laughs> really, that that is what is the driving force behind any of this. That's, that's everything. So let's give out some awards, because I think this is going to be really fun. First, yeah, this will be interesting. First, we have the Randy Meeks Merit Badge, which goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules. And this is, of course, based off Randy Meeks from Scream, who's my favorite movie character of all time. Though I will say Marty is also up there. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Uh, Josh, who do you think it for the Randy Meeks Merit Badge? I, I feel like there's limited options here. My personal pick, uh, even though he does have flaws, uh, would be Marty, just because he... Uh, his ultimate motivation is to survive, uh, especially when it comes to the end. And he's really the only one who notices that something is wrong at all during the movie until it's obvious. You know, Mar- Marty makes a few mistakes, quite a few actually, but he's, he's easily the best of the main cast. And I do want to give him the honorable mention for sure. But I think it has to go to this, uh, the, the Japanese schoolgirls. Because they, I don't know what they did, but they took down a ghost, uh, you know, against the organization that has a perfect track record of, of finishing the ritual. They're the first ones to ever beat Japan at their own game. And they're a bunch of nine-year-olds. That's awesome. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the only reason why I didn't say them is because we didn't see how they did it. And you know what? I'm fine with that. They, they figured it out. Uh, I don't know what they did, but they, they, they trapped a ghost in a frog. They somehow learned magic bullshit into in, a frog in like twenty minutes and captured a trapped a ghost, a killer ghost in a frog. That's that's amazing. I love that. So I want to give it to the Japanese schoolgirls. Sure. <laughs> and now we have the Night of the Living Club Award, which goes to the character who did the worst job at following the rules, and this is of course based off Barbara from Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Josh, what are you thinking? It is kind of tough, just because so many of the characters, you, you can't really fault them. They're for. drugged. They're, they're drugged. They, they're not really operating under their own free will uh, until they actually are aware of everything. Maybe uh, maybe something there for uh, Dana, just because she could have survived this whole thing. Uh, she had the gun in her hand. All she had to do was take the shot, uh, and it would have been over. So... I feel kind of weird doing it for the like Citizen or Hadley just because they're more just 
implementing uh, with the system and, and, and just trying to control all that and not impacting like their lives until the end when it all comes around to bite them in the ass. Uh, but a lot of like their mistakes are just kind of prolonging the lives of, uh, of the characters that we see. So I guess I would maybe lean towards Dana. I think you need to think a little bigger. I think we need to give it to the organization as a whole for their horrible, horrible security procedures and protocols and trying to pull this thing off. There are so many ways the system could be improved by still f- and still following the ritual um, just to keep everyone else safe and not build a goddamn purge button in your facility and build more cameras uh, so you could see where Marty is uh, and, and confirm that he's dead. You, you know, you could put chips in all of them to make sure, like, you could see their heart rate monitors. So, you, 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 there's so many ways this could be improved, and they this whole organization as a whole is, is a mess, and I can't believe they, they did as well as they did. Who builds a purge button? It's amazing that they're the second best like country yeah. uh, out, out of everyone, that they have the, the second best track record. How has humanity lasted this long with these buffoons in charge? I want to give it to the entire organization. Everyone. S- sounds good to me. <laughs> Uh, they are the Night of the Living Plebs, and they are not still living anymore, but granted, no one is living anymore. No. <laughs> we are, we are, Everyone's dead. We are all dead. Cabin of the Woods is done. That was a one and done. Mm-hmm. So, off the wheel, we're moving on. Yeah, there's probably not going to be a sequel to that probably one. Probably not, considering <laughs> everyone is dead. So, that means going on to the wheel, even though the wheel's in quarantine, but we have a scary movie hitting the wheel, which is mm-hmm. one of your picks as well. So, we got the five scary movies. Yes. Which, uh, people are going to get on my case. They're not horror movies. They're comedies. Yes, but their story structure is that of a horror movie. And characters do get killed off, even though they come back in the next movie perfectly fine all the time. Ignoring that. Don't worry about it. Don't worry <laughs> about it. We're going to have fun. We're going to see how these scary movies go. I'm really excited for this. I'm absolutely here for it. And I've only seen the first three. Yeah. So. But the only ones you need to see. Yeah. I, I guess I've never seen five before. But four sucks. Just going to assume that it's bad. Uh, but yeah, one and three especially are amazing. Mm-hmm. Two's okay, but one and three, love them. But you get to reserve another movie. We're done with the Cabin in the Woods series, so you get to reserve something. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Uh, well, going to follow the... Gonna follow the pattern of picking movies that I've never seen before, and one of them that's always been on my list is the Cloverfield series. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one good one of those. The other two kind of suck. That's unfortunate. Yeah, so you got a 33% success rate as far as I'm concerned. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane is amazing. I don't like Cloverfield or the Cloverfield Paradox. Well, maybe I'll like it. Maybe you will. Maybe Some people, there's, there's Cloverfield fans out there. I don't think anybody likes the third one, but uh, there's a lot of people who like the first one. So, okay, Cloverfield is on the list. Sweet. I don't know what we're going to do next week, so I'm going to try and do Leprechaun in the Hood. Who knows if that'll happen. Could be Friday the 13th 7. Could be Scary Movie. It could be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 6. It could be The Exorcist 2. It could be any of those. Um, Josh, you want to give out any Twitter or social media stuff? Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at jwessler. That's J-W-E-H-S-E-L-E-R. You can follow us on Twitter at HowToHorror. That's how the number two horror. And go ahead and leave us any five-star reviews on your podcast listener of choice. And we will read them on the podcast. Uh, Josh, thanks for doing this. This was a fun one. Ah, uh, yes, always enjoyable. Uh, you get to talk about uh, you know security protocols. It's always fun for me. <laughs> always good bashing people and their stupid decisions. And their dumbass moves. All right, anything else? No, I think I'm good. All right, this has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast, and now more than ever, stay safe out there. Uh, uh.